1: Good morning. It is Thursday, October 15th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Did you see the breaking news Wednesday afternoon? Alabama head coach Nick Saban tested positive for COVID-19, was surprised to learn that he did, went home immediately, left the office immediately when he got his results, Zoomed the team after practice to let them know, actually watched the practice via Zoom, and even told a manager a few times he needed to change a few drills up. But anyway, Saban, right now, his status is in doubt for Saturday's game against Georgia and his former protege, Kirby Smart. The Crimson Tide are following all contact tracing protocols. Right now, I have no reason to believe uh, that there is a, a looming outbreak at Alabama with COVID-19. Uh, Saban will get tested again, He or he already got tested again. He's waiting uh, the results of a second PCR test to confirm what his initial positive was. We don't know what's going to happen as far as his availability for Saturday. He could not coach at all. He could coach from his couch. He could coach from a press box. If he perhaps doesn't have a second result, come back positive. We'll see for now. Steve Sarkeesian, the Alabama offensive coordinator, former head coach at USC in Washington has taken over those duties. This was really earth-shattering news in college football. COVID positives at this point are not surprising, but when it's Nick Saban, the face of the sport, it's a little bit like a, oh, oh, this is uh, this has a potential to be a big moment. And to be honest, when I first heard the news, I, I-, I wondered, could this mean the Alabama-Georgia game is off? It- the SEC has already had such a bad week of news, right? Florida LSU is postponed after an outbreak among Florida Vanderbilt, Missouri is postponed after an outbreak among Vanderbilt. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin said is dealing with an outbreak of their own, but they're hoping to play Saturday against Arkansas. And then to tie into that, Saban believes he says he's so cautious with with the virus and he wears his mask and he distances. He believes that something might have happened, perhaps on the road trip this past weekend to Oxford, to uh, when Alabama went and played Ole Miss. So big storyline. I wanted to jump in and, and re-record my lead for this episode to make sure you guys are all starting your day with that news on Nick Saban and, and, and Tide athletic director, Greg Byrne also tested positive as well uh, worth noting. All right. I'm going to queue up an, an interview or a conversation I already had with Brad Crawford, 24 seven sports college football writer on earlier in the day on Wednesday, we talked about USA today coaching salaries. We also talked about the, the fallout of the LSU, Florida postponement, if you're interested in a really comprehensive breakdown of what Saban's COVID-19 positive test means for Alabama and its chain of command and will he coach on Saturday, where will he coach, how will the Tide do, I really recommend checking out the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer did an emergency episode Wednesday evening titled "Fallout from the Saban and Burn Positive COVID-19 Test, so go check that out. All right, here's Brad Crawford. I'm joined right now by Brad Crawford, senior writer for 24-7 Sports. Brad, how's it going, man? We got we got a busy day. Uh, we had a busy Wednesday in college football. We're going to talk about NCAA coaching salaries database today, released by USA Today Sports. It's always really fun content and interesting content to discuss. But first and foremost, I think we need to spend a little bit of time on the fact that Florida and LSU just got postponed perhaps to December 12th because of a COVID outbreak. Among Florida, Uh, what's your what's your take on that? And it's a second SEC game postponed this weekend.
0: That's pretty big news, Trey. And it's also potentially beneficial to LSU since starting quarterback Miles Brennan was probably going to miss this game anyway. So I think it benefits LSU to play this game later in the year, and maybe by that point, Florida will have a defense as well.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say, like Florida's defense could use a few weeks off. Um, It it really might have enjoyed playing one of LSU's two true freshmen backup quarterbacks so though. I was following along before we jumped on the podcast. Uh, Florida AD Scott Strickland was doing a, a news conference and he kind of was uh, throwing Dan Mullen under the bus a little bit. I don't know if you saw it. He essentially said coaches are really good at, at doing what they do, um, but you know sometimes they kind of step out of their lane and he was referring to Dan Mullen's I want to pack the swamp comment. So certainly interesting storyline in the SEC. It's the second game Postponed this weekend. Missouri versus Vanderbilt was the other one. Ole Miss has a COVID outbreak. We will keep an eye on that as well. They play Arkansas this weekend. We'll keep keeping an eye on Texas A&M to make sure there is no outbreak there in College Station. And Strickland did say that he thinks the trip to Aggieland started this COVID outbreak for the Gators because some of the players on the team had symptoms that they thought were allergies that they did not feel they needed to bubble up to the medical staff. And, and so... It's just a it's a, it's a mess, but it's it's college football in 2020. So, Brad, let's look to let's let's switch gears to something that is a little bit more static for us, and that's that's the coaching salary database. Mm-hmm. I asked you to to come up with a few things that caught your eye: good contracts, bad contracts, buyouts. I have a few of my own too. But when you look at this list, which is headlined by Nick Saban and then Coach O and then Davo, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Fisher, what stands out to you?
0: Yeah, I think Jim Harbaugh, you know, knowing that next season, Trey, is basically a contract year for Harbaugh, his seven-year deal expires, I think, three days after the conclusion of the 2021 season. And really, his buyout right now is affordable. I mean, $6 million is one of the lowest ones among, you know, quote, elite, end quote, power five head coaches. It's it's really interesting to me, too, that, you know, given the fact that he hasn't beat Ohio State yet, and, you know, he's... He's routinely taken to the cleaners nationally by media, you know, for, for stubbing his toe in big games that really this is an affordable buyout for, for Harbaugh. And, you know, I, I think for the most part, you know, with without my finger on the pulse of the Wolverine fan base, I think Michigan faithful are they're OK with him as a head coach. Maybe they're, they're not hot, maybe not cool. Uh, just, just knowing that he can't get over the hump at the end of the year in that rivalry game. Um, I mean, I do think that this season and, and, and next, he needs to re-enter the top ten in recruiting to be able to compete with Ohio State and, and win the big ten. So I'm um, I'm very interesting, Trey, to see this fall, you know, how things go for Michigan, a a program that really doesn't have a lot of buzz nationally heading into this month's opener.
1: Yeah, I was reading an interesting article about just that by Pete Dammel. And Yahoo sports. And it's, it is kind of crazy when you think about it, Brad, that at $8 million of scheduled pay this year, and he he did take a COVID related reduction. The Jim Harbaugh is a top five paid college football coach. Maybe a a few years ago, we would have said Jim Harbaugh is a top five coach. I think it's pretty clear. He's not, I think it's pretty clear. He's not even top 10. So that, that he still makes that much money is interesting. And I I feel like he's comfortable at Michigan. It's his alma mater. You make a great point i think the fans have accepted at this point all right like this this could be what we are and right. unless we want to dole out all the resources that it's going to take to beat ohio state on the recruiting trail and then on the field maybe that's okay so one day we're going to look at this list and he won't be a top five paid coach and what that's either going to be people are, are lapping him by and, and he doesn't get a big raise if he does get a contract extension or maybe he would even be willing to take less money per less expectations. So yeah, that was interesting. And you mentioned the buyout, man. I mean, like it's it's six million. You have to scroll from four all the way yeah. to uh 26, Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy t- to find a buyout that low. It's those numbers used to seem big and now and now that's that's a small one because when you look at like the top five, Nick Saban's buyout's 37 million. Coach O's is 24 put you know uh, clipboard that we might talk about that in a year we might we might be having that talk in a year Davos is 50 million talked about gyms at 6.3 uh, Jimbo Fisher 53 million so these guys would get paid a lot of money to, to have to leave their jobs and I, I think it sort of speaks to maybe r- not reckless but um, short-sighted financial uh, Management by a oh, lot of yeah. ads and school presidents <laughs> because when you like look at this top twenty, you see a lot of coaches who really don't need to to be making that much money. Um, what I mean, what else are you seeing out
0: there, Brad? On yeah, this list? you know, you you look, look at when when a uh, And M signed Jimbo to that massive decade long seventy five million dollar deal a couple of years ago. You know, the the Aggies did that knowing that this long term investment, you know, would hopefully pay off one day. You know, at, at the time he was one of five active coaches only five nationally who had a national championship now uh, Ed Ogeron has, has joined that club. But before last Saturday's win against Florida, he was one and eight against top teams in college station, you know, so, so you could, you know, say that he wasn't yet earning that seven and a half million dollars. The Aggies are paying him, but I mean, long-term, I do think this deal is going to pay off for the Aggies, you know, even if they have to rip up the original deal in a couple of years, if, if he wins the SEC or makes a playoff appearance, but, you know, two or three years ago when he signed that 10-year, $75 million deal, it was a record setter then. You know, now we, we've seen Sabin, Dabo Sweeney, and, and now Coach O signed even more lucrative deals.
1: I was interested to see that Coach O, after that new extension, or a new raise and extension, is scheduled to make $8.6 um, with a total pay of eight point nine, he was making last year somewhere in the fours with incentives that got him up to like the the mid fives. Uh, he maxed out on his incentives, of course, winning the Natty. That's that's a lot of money, Brad, um, especially when it comes ahead of a guy like Davo Sweeney at Clemson, who's who's making just slightly less at eight point two. And I told you this uh, when we were talking earlier. That's 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 I don't know, like. Coach O, even this year, has not proven the ability to build and maintain an elite program. Like he put together a really good team. I mean hired some really good coordinators and got like a really good quarterback. But if you're paying someone nine million dollars a year, you want a good program. You want a healthy program that is the 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 front porch of your university. It has to be more than just one team, right?
0: Well, it's, it's almost like LSU is back paying him a bonus for for going fifteen and zero last year with a, you know, transcendent roster essentially. I mean, so many so many draft picks, school record for number of draft picks, really the one of the best quarterbacks in not just program history but college football history with, with the sixty touchdowns from Burrow. I just think you know, Coach O is a is a great fit for LSU. But what other program nationally would? Would give him eight and a half million dollars a year. I mean, I mean USC right. didn't want him because he didn't fit the culture out in LA, and that's an elite program. I don't, you know, I I think LSU is is the right fit for Coach O, um, but I'm not sure if, you know, if he's going to be there long term.
1: You look at this list and you just kind of get some buyer's remorse vibes. LSU. Uh, maybe one day we'll have buyer's remorse. Michigan, perhaps buyer's remorse. If you had asked A&M fans last week, they would have had buyer's remorse, but they feel better now that they're paying Jimbo, uh, the fifth most among all coaches. Auburn at seven. Like it's, it's just one of those, those years, uh, the Tigers aren't very good. I saw you were talking about maybe picking Arkansas to beat them this weekend. Gus Malzahn's buyout is 21.4 and he's the seventh highest paid coach in college football. Um, That's,
0: Yeah, that's why it's It's a little high. And, and, and that's not why it's not realistic to put Malzahn on that, you know, temperature warming seat yet. I, I saw, you know, after they barely beat Arkansas on, on that blown call last Saturday, you know, there, there was some Auburn faithful on, on social media. That's like, you know, what's, what's going on on the plains, but you know, this was, this was setting up to be a game this weekend against South Carolina of maybe the hot seat bowl. But I think with with that buyout so high at Auburn, 21 million from Malzahn, it'll it'll be at least middle of the 2021 season before Malzahn's really evaluated as a potential hot seat option.
1: Yeah, good catch. I uh, swapped my South Carolina and my Arkansas there. I appreciate it. Uh, I do want to talk about buyout and hot seats. One more note I want to make, unless you had another one, Brad. Ohio State um, is at 12, is paying Ryan Day. 5.7 million, uh, 5.6. He, he recently got a raise and an extension. and in February of 2021 his salary is going to jump to 6.5, which would put him right now would put him at uh, tied for eight with Lincoln Riley. but talk about a bargain. and that's that's maybe the argument. Oklahoma and Ohio State, for if you have a really good internal candidate when you're making a transition, you can usually get that guy a little bit cheaper. Than going out and making a splash, higher. and when when Ryan Day got hired, I remember thinking like they're not even going to try to call Matt Campbell at Iowa State, but you got him for cheap. You got to keep your staff, and you're still paying him like a like a top fifteen salary when he truly is a top three or top five coach in college football.
0: I think he is too. And you know they the the Buckeyes brass knew internally that they were essentially hiring Urban Meyer light. I mean he runs all the same stuff. Obviously he's a great recruiter given the. Past two classes he's had, so I think in the long run he's going to be there a while, maybe maybe a decade long, and probably have a couple of natties to show for it. You know, you you mentioned Trey. One more point: uh, looking at these buyouts, you know the, the top twenty-five list. I see Will Muschamp at number twenty-two. You know him. Him and Derek Mason are two guys in the SEC who are undoubtedly on on the hot seat this season. And his buyout is fifteen point three million. It's just insane. You know, the the big issue here for me was. South Carolina extending him after his second season. They they went nine and four, had the had the big momentum building win over Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh in 2017. But you know, you you look at those first two years, really Muschamp loaded up on wins against bad teams. And, and and that extension came one year after he went six and seven, which is closer to what Muschamp has done historically as a head coach. So whoever Muschamp agent is, you know, obviously he he has a uh a, a very smart financial deal, and you know, I I think the Gamecock brass right now is uh, probably not not happy w- with the with the buyout number. It's it's insanely high in Columbia.
1: Yeah, kudos to Jimmy Sexton. Well, we were talking about that because South Carolina that buyout is higher than I thought it would be, Brad. And I correlated it with Texas at, at Tom Herman's getting the 11th most money of anyone in football, but his buyout. At fifteen point four million is uh, lower than I thought it would be. I thought it would be just south of twenty, which is what it was last year. So yes. the fact that Tom Herman and Will Muschamp had the same buyout is super interesting because both of those guys are on the hot seat, and in a non-pandemic year, they would probably both be gone. Um, I just I, I can see Texas making that move if they, you know, it's going to cost them fifteen million to buy out Tom Herman, and then I don't know. You mentioned Urban Meyer; it would take ten to get him, probably. That's a $25 million expense. Uh, and just like Will Muschamp, he got extended after his second season. Beat Georgia in the sugar bowl. Maybe that win's not as impressive when you look back on it. Maybe Georgia really didn't want to be there, but it hasn't gotten better. But I was I was shocked because I thought Will Muschamp's buyout would be at least under $13 million. And to see it as $15 probably is a little bit deflating for the South Carolina Brass, who yeah. who like just you're they're just gonna be stuck with him for another season. And I, I think Will Muschamp has made some improvements, Brad. I mean, you would know better than me, but like, I don't mind the Mike Bogo hired OC. I, I think South Carolina has looked plenty competent in losses to Tennessee and Florida. But when you're playing a 10 game season against sec only opponents, you can't record. It's not going to be very good, right? Like right. it's, it's going to be like a three and seven year and that's just going to be a really tough sell in 2021 to get fans back on board. Brad, if there wasn't a pandemic, do you think the $15 would be more of a likely buyout that South Carolina would be willing to do?
0: I think one thing you get to look at too, Trey, is not only is it $15 million, but you you, you have to pay his staff of 10 assistants. Most of them are on multi-year deals. You have to set aside probably five years worth of money for the new head coach and then have a lucrative pool of Of money for for that guy's assistant, so we're we're looking at you know estimated thirty to thirty five million to to change regimes in Colombia, and and this program doesn't have the, you know top revenue producing numbers that that the Longhorns do fifteen million for Herman's nothing a a, a major Texas booster can can pay that but for Will Muschamp, I mean the Gamecocks I think on on last year's revenue list were ranked maybe seventeen or eighteen pretty good but it's obviously not texas number 125 million a year they're bringing in even even pre-covid so i think it's a huge financial burden for south carolina's brass to not only fire must and hire somebody new but deal with all that assistant stuff too
1: the college football daily will be right back Yeah, so the full list is available online. We've also done some stories about it on 247 Sports. Brad, do you have the list in front of you?
0: I do not, but I'm okay. I'm I'm pretty sure it up.
1: Okay, can you pull it up? I want to I want to like pull sure. it up on yeah. your on your yeah. laptop. I want to do it. a little overpaid underpaying game with you. Um sure. so everyone can kind of get a full sense of the the top 50. Start at All 25. Right. So, no, so I want to do like 1 through 10 and then 11 through 20, uh, 21 through 30. Let's look at those brackets and, okay. and let's find one coach who's overpaid and one coach who's underpaid and, and we'll toggle. So Brad, we might've already mentioned them at number four, but in one through 10, who's the most overpaid coach?
0: The most overpaid coach in my opinion is Gary Patterson. Interesting. Um, he, he's, he's making 6.1 million total pay at a relatively small school. I don't, I don't think anybody considers TCU a top 20 program, top, top 30. Sure. But, um, you know, he, he'll, he would need to do more for me to make $6.1 million. I, I think he's more worth the $5 million range.
1: Yeah, uh, good find. I would say either most underpaid would be Alabama's Nick Saban at number one, $9.3 million. Uh, I would love a, a study to be done on how much he actually means to that university. Or Kirby Smart at Georgia paid number six, $6.9 million. You get the feeling that if they win a national title, he's going to vault uh, into the top two or three. Um, all right, 11 through 20. So you did overpaid last time. So now you give me your underpaid Brad in 11 through 20.
0: So underpaid's definitely Ryan Day. You you mentioned it a few minutes ago, Trey. I mean for for him to make 5.7 million dollars a year and and really being one completion away from a berth in the championship game last year. Um obviously if if he's there the next 10 years, he probably wins at least six Big 10 championships and and makes the playoff at least half of those years. So I mean they're they're going to have to foot the bill for for Ryan Day long term. He's going to keep getting raises in my opinion as long as he you know, keeps bringing in these top flight recruiting classes and, and wins 11 games a year. But right now at five point seven million dollars, he's making about two and a half million less than Jim Harbaugh, who's the Big Ten's highest paid coach. So at, at five point seven million, he's a steal.
1: All right. So at five million flat, Mel Tucker at Michigan State is a little bit overpaid because he's only been a head coach one season at Colorado. It was fine. I get that they had to pay a little bit big because they needed a coach at sort of the the 11th hour after Mark D'Antonio stepped down rather late, and then they couldn't get Luke Fickle. But that's pretty high for Mel Tucker to be the 14th highest paid coach in college football, in my opinion. All right, Uh, 21 through 30. Brad, you just went with underpaid. Take a look and give me the most overpaid coach in this bracket of 21 through 30.
0: Yeah, I think overpaid right now is Justin Fuente. You know, ah, far, nice. I, I I just don't like you know the the buyout right now as of December first is twelve and a half million. Virginia Tech has got off to a pretty good start this year despite all the COVID issues they've had. You know they they've had major problems, probably the um, ACC's worst in in terms of controlling the spread. But Fuente hasn't done a ton at, w- with the Hokies. I mean, last season Virginia Virginia won the Coastal and snapped a long losing skid in in that rivalry. So at at 4.25 million. That's what Fuente makes this season. I think the Hokies are expecting a little bit more out of him.
1: You know the interesting thing about Fuente is he definitely built Memphis into a really solid program and like he gets he gets the the props for doing that and then Mike Marvell takes over and, and it's still now doing well in 2020. I just wonder if like if that's if Justin Fuente sort of did the obvious by making Memphis good and 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 that's just kind of like the the height of, of what he's going to be able to do. Like, like it, it clearly, Mike Norvell was able to keep Memphis humming. It's it's clearly it wasn't that hard to do once you get it off the ground. And the fact that he's hardly been able to get Virginia Tech off the ground, and certainly not able to take the Hogies to like any new heights, we're not even mentioning them among ACC contenders. It kind of worries me a little bit. So I agree with you there, at Justin Fuente for being overpaid. Underpaid in this bracket, there's a lot of guys. Mike Gundy at 26 uh, makes $4.2 million a year. PJ Fleck at Minnesota makes 4.6. And then Paul Chris at Wisconsin, 4.25. You're talking about a perennial Big Ten West champion who every single year is on the on the brink of a playoff. And given Wisconsin's brand name status and the money that you would think they could bring in, I mean, everyone knows what Wisconsin is and knows what that, that W means. Like, I kind of thought that Paul Chris would be making more money than the twenty eighth best coach in college football. So, uh, kind of, those are, those are my guys for there. All right. Um, we're, we're wrapping this up. Two more brackets, Brad, 31 through 40. Take a look. Give me the most underpaid coach in 31 through 40.
0: It's gotta be Mac Brown at North Carolina, three and a half million. A lot of people, uh, my, myself included thought that hire might've been a little bit over the hill. You know, I, I thought his best years at Carolina were long, long before him. But I mean, to, to have UNC a a team that was borderline one of the worst in the Power Five just just a couple of years ago um, under Larry Fedora, to, to have them number five in the latest AP poll, I mean, it's it's amazing what he's done, and and that all started with the flip of Sam Howell, you know, from Florida State. That that eventually led to Willie Taggart's firing in Tallahassee, and and it's made Mac Brown you know, probably a top 10 coach right now. So three and a half million considering the exposure he's bringing a quote basketball school. That's, that's pretty solid.
1: Do you think that Houston should be paying Dana Horgerson $3.8 million?
0: I don't think Houston's like relevant. And, and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe the Cougars hiring him thought that he would bring them to relevancy, but I mean, that there, there's five schools in the AAC trade and that are, on, on better footing right now and and more relevant than houston i mean yeah it's just uh 3.8 uh, i don't know that's
1: they went four and eight last year in his first season they've only played one game so far but i just think that's a little bit too rich for me
0: yeah
1: um and even though dana is a great coach but you know i mean it, it's it's a group of five school um all right last bracket brad and i love your north carolina mention there i think I think uh, we're probably nearing, in the next few months, Mac Brown will be making well, well, well more than $3.5 million. All right, 41 through 50. We're going to cut it off after this. Brad, who is the most overpaid coach in 41 through 50?
0: Probably Kevin Sumlin. You know, he's essentially had one really good year as a head coach. That was at A&M with the best player in the country in Johnny Menzel. He was pretty good at Houston, too. Had a couple 10-win seasons, won, won conference titles with, I think it was Case Ken the quarterback. but if Kevin Sumlin does not have a, you know, top five quarterback, his offenses aren't really good. Um, Arizona was supposed to be so much better with Khalil Tate, and they're paying him three point one million dollars, and you know, it, it didn't it didn't work out last season. He's he's a guy too, Trey. That if the Pac twelve was playing right now, we'd be mentioning Sumlin on the hot seat.
1: That's a great point. Uh, Seven point five million dollar buyout probably won't play enough games to to warrant you know massive uh, fan agitation, but we'll see. Underpaid? This one's tough. Like, there's no one. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll go with uh, this this could be. There's easy. an obvious I'll go with pick there. Yeah, Iowa State. I think so. Yep. Yeah, Matt Campbell. Three. I, you know, Brad. I thought he was. Uh, I was like, th- I confused myself with the cutoff. But at 41, the 41st highest paid coach in football, Matt Campbell, at 3.7 million, absolutely underpaid. You don't even need to hear the credentials, but he's taking a program that used to go three and nine. Now they're winning eight games a year. They're in the pole position to to, to make the Big Twelve title game. It would be a really cool story. Uh, f- forget the fact that they lose the first game of the season every single year. Doesn't really matter. Matt Campbell gets these guys going by October, and November, and someone is going to have to. I mean, his his buyout's twenty million, so he's going to be there a while. But if he wants to be, but if if you want to pull Matt Campbell away, you're going to have to offer him a pretty good package because he's pretty happy in Ames, Iowa. All right, Brad Crawford, thank you so much for joining us today on the College Football Daily. You did a great job, man. We always enjoy having you on. For our producer, Tony Levitt. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to you on Friday.